This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Saw news today that ESPN is going to start broadcasting Korean baseball this week. Live games, new season starting. Chance for everybody to pick a new team and get heavily invested in a real-life sport that's taking place. They're, they're playing Korean baseball? How, how did they figure that one out? <laughs> they figured it out somehow. Um, the world is moving, moving ahead while failed state United States is about to experience its like double dip pandemic outbreak. But uh, I would be more excited about this a few weeks ago, but I think I've transcended the realm of sports. Well, not exactly. I should say of real life sports. I've now gotten heavily into baseball simulators. I uh, downloaded yeah, that. Are, are you watch? Are you getting FanDuel action on on the EMLB? No, no. This isn't any any gambling or anything. I just I downloaded the uh, baseball simulator outside the park twenty one, and um, you can basically create whatever baseball world you want. So uh, I have managed to create a baseball association combining all the leagues so that uh, all the leagues can sign from the same free agent pool and same draft pool. And uh, I've added more parity among the wealth in each league, uh, like the Japanese league, the Korean league, the Mexican league. There's like a Czech Republic league. Uh, There's a German league. Uh, There's a Spanish league. And, And I have... Uh, changed most of the minor leagues into a separate major league entity that works on a promotion relegation system with major league baseball. Damn. So that's what I've been It's all happening over there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, after a lot of fine tuning and trying to figure it out, I finally uh, have a season going. I've got, uh, got a whole relegation league set up. And uh, about to just let it let it start playing out and see what happens. So, do you run the simulator and like how does it? Will it give you like an entire season in like an hour if you want it to? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you run the sim. You can pick a year. You can actually like start the simulator in 1900, and it has all the historical data and plugs in all the people that played in 1900 and like what their stats were. So, you know. It won't necessarily have the same sort of timeline, but you know the same players will be good. They might not end up on the same team or whatever. But uh, I just had it start, so it has the same historical backing of stats and records and everything carrying forward. But now there's just more leagues involved filtering into Major League Baseball. And at the end of the season, I have the winners of Major League Baseball of the relegation league of the Japanese, a Japanese league, the Korean league, and all these other leagues play each other in a tournament. <laughs> it's, it's Champions League, but for baseball. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Tight. So I'm having a good time over here. Don't need real sports anymore. <laughs> real sports, they just cut into esports. Can you hear all these dogs barking, by the way? I live next door to um, someone with multiple dogs now. Uh, I'm hearing dogs barking, but I figured that was out in my backyard. So, 
Maybe it was well, your backyard. Maybe maybe, maybe our both. listeners are just gonna hear dogs barking on on both <laughs> on both of our audio streams. There'll just be all sorts of dogs in the background. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of audio streams, yeah, there was a bit of a historic audio stream today. Uh, the Supreme Court live streamed audio for the first time ever, uh, which is really sad if you think about it. Uh, the uh, Sixth Amendment of the Constitution gives you a right to a public trial. And uh, granted, it's a public criminal trial, not a public civil trial, but many criminal trials end up where the, the well, not many, but <laughs> let me take that back. Some end up at the Supreme Court. The point is, is that there should have been live audio from the Supreme Court a long time ago. Yeah. It's released on a delay because the 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 status quo says that you have to give the utmost deference to the court and that oral arguments should not be a part of the media for the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, but what that basically means is that there's no transparency <laughs> or less transparency, I should say. Not that there's none. But when you have these oral arguments, they're, they're newsy the day of. And again, when the decision comes out, it's not so newsy two weeks from now when the yeah. audio is usually released. So it's pathetic. It's absolutely fucking pathetic that the Supreme Court has not been le releasing uh, live streams before. There should be cameras in the court, but at the very least, they should do the audio live. They should let us hear it live. Now, having said all that, I didn't bother listening to today's case because it was a trademark case and patent law uh, can be interesting, but fuck, it's like pouring cement into your ears. It's always been uh, kind of messed up how when important cases are heard before the Supreme Court, the only way you can hear about what's going on is from like, a handful of reporters who are in there and then are able to give their interpretation of like, oh, well, so-and-so asked this question in such and such way. So uh, maybe we can gather that this is going to happen. It's like, no, it should just be public where we can all just listen to it and gain our own impression from it. Yeah, it's there. There is absolutely zero reason. That's there's no good justification for why that's not the case other than, you know, wanting to insulate this this body and let it operate in a in a shadowy secretive way and couching that as like you know couching that in terms of reverence for these supposed fucking legal masterminds uh which if you've listened to the podcast five four uh, they're not they're not no. that smart all right let's get to it it's monday may 4th 2020 uh, it's that day for all the Star Wars nerds. <laughs> Here's the news. The first major corporate failure of the plague recession is here. J. Crew filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy this morning. The sound you're hearing right now is 10,000 boat shoe guys tearing their V-necks. <laughs> the brand isn't going totally kaput, though. The company said today that stores are continuing to operate and the firm is being restructured. According to Nasdaq.com, this means finance dicks are turning J. Crew's debt to them into an ownership stake of the company. 
players involved include a hedge fund called GSO Capital Partners and an alternative investment company called Davidson Kemper Capital Management. Ironically, J. Crew accrued so much debt in the first place because of finance dicks. In 2011, it was bought by private equity firms that saddled the company with debt. To be fair, other retailers are also expected to soon file for bankruptcy. Neiman Marcus, Lord & Taylor, and J.C. Penney are all considering Chapter 11, as Barron's noted last week. Even before COVID-19, department stores were struggling to survive in the online retail era, with Jeff Bezos devouring everything around him and breaking, literally breaking the backs of his workers to become the world's richest man. But it's not just retail in trouble. General Electric today announced it was cutting 13,000 jobs from its aviation unit. The company makes engines and passenger airlines. Compounding the misery to aerospace and other related sectors, this morning, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said that international travel might be done for 2020, which it probably should be. This is all part of the reason why we keep calling recent stock market gains a sucker's rally. The line is going down. This shit is definitely going down. Not much movement from the Dow Jones Industrial Average this morning compared to recent swings. It closed out the day uh, 0.26% up, for the record. In other economic news, there was some more interesting guidance from the Small Business Administration over the Coronavirus Small Business Bailout Fund, the so-called Paycheck Protection Program. In today's Federal Register, the SBA said one company is allowed to receive up to $20 million under the fund. Also, more troublingly, it's totally self-policed. The SBA said there are no serious consequences for going over the $20 million cap, despite what Mnuchin said last week about companies facing criminal liability if they built the SBA. Reading from today's filing with a few ellipses for clarity's sake, quote, it is the responsibility of an applicant to notify the lender if the applicant has applied for or received PPP loans in excess of $20 million and withdraw or request cancellation of any pending or approved PPP loan not in compliance with the limitations set forth in this rule. Failure by the applicant to do so will be regarded as a use of PPP funds for unauthorized purposes. And get this, here's the punishment, the big punishment, the loan will not be eligible for forgiveness. So, oh no, they might not have to pay all of the 1% interest on their $20 million plus loan. Jeez, go easy on them. You know, in the blink of an eye, they gave like two-thirds of a trillion dollars to this so-called small business loan program. And uh, when it comes time to help working class people who have already been put out of a job or can't go back to work because of the pandemic, uh, already we're getting signals that they're not getting anything else, nothing else. Republicans uh, in Congress are saying there's not come, no more direct payments, not necessary. Uh, Republicans are also, like Lindsey Graham, saying there's not going to be any more unemployment benefit extensions uh, happening. And I don't expect Democrats to be able to mount much of a fight to uh, get any of those things included. Speaking of that fourth relief package, the Senate is expected to begin drafting it. They're taking the lead on this because the House is still gone and Nancy Pelosi blocked the House from doing business remotely. 
President Trump and Senate Republicans want a liability shield included in the bill that would protect bosses from getting sued if their workers get coronavirus on the job. Last week's executive order to keep meatpacking plants open contained a similar liability measure for employers in that industry, and the Chamber of Commerce wants it now too. Whether the capitalist class gets this gift remains to be seen, but the failure by government agencies to keep workers safe is already serving as a de facto liability shield. A new report from the group Accountable.us reveals that inspections by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, are down drastically during the pandemic, even as thousands of workers have contracted the virus on the job. Reviewing OSHA data, the group found that safety citations have dropped by nearly 70% compared to this point last year. The daily inspection rate is down from 217 to just 60 now. And of those drastically reduced inspections, only a sliver of them resulted in COVID-related infractions, just 1.2%. Yet OSHA has admitted that it's received thousands of complaints about workplaces being unsafe during the pandemic. In fact, it received more than 4,000 complaints between February and April. More than three-quarters of those complaints are still considered to be open. Former OSHA officials told USA Today that it's likely many inspections are now being conducted over the phone. Quote, they're trying to call the employer up and resolve these things through the phone. They're not going outside to do these complaints because they have their own. End quote. That's according to John Newquist, a former OSHA assistant regional administrator. Lack safety regulations are to be expected, though, with someone like Eugene Scalia heading up the Labor Department. As Accountable.us detailed, Scalia has made past comments denigrating the federal role in keeping the workplace safe. As a corporate attorney in 2005, Scalia argued that, quote, the government does not have the sole or even primary role in furthering occupational safety and health or compliance with that employment laws, with the employment laws. The government does not have the sole or even the primary role in furthering occupational safety and health or compliance with the employment laws, end quote. In other words, just trust the boss to keep you safe. How's that worked out so far? The U.S. has, for that reason, by far the most cases and deaths from COVID-19 than any other country on Earth, for a lot of reasons, but one reason being the boss doesn't give a shit about you. Really expected more uh, from someone with the last name Scalia. <laughs> Moving on, when President Obama struck his nuclear deal with Iran, Republicans decried the agreement's temporary sunset provisions saying they gave Iran an eventual path to nuclear weapons. Now Republicans reportedly want to directly help Saudi Arabia on that very same path. That's according to a report released today by the Government Accountability Office. The study is on nuclear cooperation between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, which has been ongoing in some form since 2008. It has accelerated under the Trump administration, but talks have stalled over terms on nonproliferation. As GAO noted, the Saudis rejected U.S. calls to give access to its nuclear facilities to the International Atomic Energy Agency. The Saudis also disagreed on restrictions to enrichment and processing, which are required by U.S. nuclear export law. The disagreements have been well known. In September, then-Energy Secretary Rick Perry told the press that Saudi Arabia needed to reach terms on a so-called 123 non-proliferation agreement, the number is a reference to Section 123 of the Atomic Energy Act, 
Today, GAO said the agency is considering some flexibility. Quote, according to the secretary's September 2019 letter and to former officials we interviewed, the United States may be willing to accept a temporary restriction on enrichment and reprocessing in its negotiations with Saudi Arabia. One stakeholder interviewed said that the sunset provisions were designed to address Saudi complaints about the U.S.-Iran nuclear deal, which I'm not sure how that really makes sense because the Trump administration got out of the deal. (laughs) The deal is no longer valid. Also, as GAO noted, it wasn't a nuclear cooperation deal. It was a deal to get Iran to volunteer to restrict technology it already had in exchange for sanctions relief. No export of U.S. nuclear technology was involved. Unsurprisingly, GAO reported that the Trump administration refused to cooperate with its investigation. The State Department, the Department of Energy, and the National Security Council all failed to provide information that GAO needed to complete its report. The watchdog said it relied on interviews with 30 stakeholders, including current and former congressional staffers, who themselves complained of not being kept up to date. Quote, several current and former congressional committee staff we interviewed told us that they learned of developments in the U.S.-Saudi negotiations through the press or from representatives of the nuclear industry. End of quote. Staffers also reported that since 2017, they've only been able to get information on U.S.-Saudi nuclear ties from the administration through through coercive measures such as holds on legislation or presidential nominees. Finally, the Trump administration's rhetoric toward China is getting increasingly erratic and dislodged from reality. Despite no evidence that the coronavirus originated in a lab in China, President Trump and his Republican allies continue to push the lie. At the end of last week, the president claimed he had seen evidence proving the link, but claimed that he was not allowed to disclose it. And then on Sunday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo fired off this tweet, which would get most of us suspended, quote, China has a history of infecting the world, and they have a history of running substandard laboratories. These are not the first times that we've had a world exposed to viruses as a result of failures in a Chinese lab. End quote. Again, zero evidence for this. The World Health Organization on Monday responded, saying it has not received any data, it has not received any evidence, nothing, to support any claim that the virus originated in a lab. In fact, based on analysis of more than 15,000 samples of the virus, the evidence suggests that the virus is of a natural origin. Accusations toward China have ramped up as the U.S. death count to coronavirus has ticked up, and it won't go away anytime soon as the Trump administration quietly expects 3,000 people to be dying of COVID-19 each day by June. And yet we got the economy opening Right up, all around the country, 3,000 people are going to be dying each nine eleven each day through June. Officials have been quoted as saying that blaming Beijing for all the carnage here is part of Trump's re-election strategy. Grim stuff, but some nice tunes cheering us up in the background. That music means it is time to read some poetry for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel five bucks a month you get all access to all our bonus content that we put out and you get your own haiku written for you in red on the air 
This first one goes out to John. Once you see it, then it will haunt you forever. Steve Mnuchin's mouth. Thank you, John. This is for Nick. Supreme Court Skypes in. They turn off all their webcams. No pants under robes. Thank you, Nick. We don't even Skype to each other here when we do our show. I don't know what the hell you're wearing, Sam. (laughs) This one's for Sam. Looking to get dragged? Log on to Twitter.com. Tweet, I miss George Bush. Thank you, Sam. This is for Game Geek. It's like Y2K, except not a fake virus, but a real virus. Thank you, Game Geek. Finally, uh, this is for Patrick. Hear me out on this. What if we shot the virus, like with a rifle? (laughs) Thank you, Patrick. Yes, thank you, Patrick, and thanks to all the new subscribers. That's patreon.com slash district sentinel. Looks like there is a call to get to here on the listener rant line. Hey, uh, Sentinel gang, it's Slater. I wanted to give an update on the awful pundit tournament. A lot of stuff happening with the regular season underway. We've got a couple more months worth of games for the regular season. It's going to wrap up right now. It's scheduled to wrap up on July 2nd. And, um, I want to, you know, throw out and name some of those upcoming games that will be in the next week. But also I want to announce what we're going to be doing to fill the gap between the end of the regular season and the beginning of the 2021 Awful Pundit Tournament. For the first time ever, there will be an invitational tournament that will uh, be – I'm thinking about making this for subscribers only. Um, the other the other news is there's a new subscriber here, vote only, where you do not get a Big Dave baseball card. You cannot uh, pitch – for uh, flash games to be played in the regular season. But what you do get with that is the ability to vote in the premium games. And so that's that's the economy tier that we've added. And so that should also give you access to the invitational tournament that will be for the regular season pundits who aren't good enough to make the 2021 Awful Pundit Tournament but are good enough to make the invitational that, you know, the approximation of the NIT. So with that announcement out of the way, let's get to some games that are coming up for the Awful Pundit Tournament regular season. We've got Brett Baer versus Mark Hemingway, Brian Stelter versus Matt Brunig, Britt McHenry versus Matt Walsh, and some great premium games like Chuck Todd versus Rahm Emanuel and Sarah Kenzier versus Candace Owens. So, yeah, go to Awful Pundits on Twitter at Awful Pundits. Go to our Patreon uh, subscribe at the Big Dave's here to get your Big Dave card and be able to create games between eligible awful pundits for the 2021 regular season and, you know, or tournament through this regular season. We're going to see who the most awful pundits are, and we're going to declare a champion. It, it might be Jen Rubin again. It might be Ben Shapiro again. But you never know. That's the magic of the tournament. Anything can happen. So peace out, guys. Well, thanks for all that, Slater. Good to hear you uh, are stepping up to fill the void of sports with a uh, special uh, Awful Pundit Invitational Tournament. I just want to uh, highlight a name that was mentioned there in that message that I feel 
really is the most awful pundit out there and kind of doesn't get enough respect for that. I mean, this guy is a professional pundit. He has been his whole TV career. Chuck Todd. Yeah, Chuck Todd sort of flies under the radar because he's such a fucking weenie dullard and tries to radiate that brand uh, all the time. But he really does. He he not only has some awful takes, uh, the guy's an idiot. Yeah. And he's obviously... Truly. <laughs> he's obviously leading NBC News' flagship program because uh, he's just their dumb fucking dog who just sits there and wags his tail in, yeah. in front of the important people. I'd like to see Chuck Todd make some more noise in these tournaments in the future. All right. Thanks for the call, Slater. Call the rant line, 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We'll play it on the air. We're back tomorrow with a brand new newscast. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.